make sure you check out Tragic Nostalgia, the debut album from Winnipeg's Jared Adams. It'll be available to stream everywhere on June 26th, and you can visit tragicnostalgia.ca right now for more information. Police Radio. I'm doing once again one of these remote calls, which is, you know, at this point, it's almost more normal than not that I'm calling someone uh, remotely. Uh, you know, the quarantine, the lockdown, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, is still happening. And uh, so I've got someone new on the show this time, which is kind of cool. Uh, you know, lately, I've been kind of catching up with a lot of people who have been on the show in past years and sort of finding out what they're up to now. But it's always nice to get a fresh face and a fresh voice on the podcast. And I have a lot of things to ask you. Just looking at your, listening to your music and looking at your resume, your extensive resume, uh, I think you probably have a pretty interesting story, but I think the best way to get this started is if you want to just introduce yourself and just a bit of background on what it is that you do. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, well, uh, my name's Matt Steckler, my christened name, <laughs> but uh, in this new incarnation, I go by Matty Stex okay. uh, because the new album the band projects, whatever you want to call it, is called Maddie Stex and Musical Tramps. Um, I don't know if that was just an attempt to reinvent myself since I'm in a new place or right. I have. I'm actually culminating uh, a three year stint in Manitoba. I'm originally from upstate New York, Northeast in general. I lived in New York City and Boston for a number of years. Right. Worked out of there, Vermont. And, um, I took a teaching, a faculty job at the university here in Brandon, at school music. Um, so that's actually coming to a close now, but it's very this 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 recorded effort is very much a product of the resources, both human resources and financial and otherwise, that I had available to me, infrastructure okay. uh, in the Brandon University community. So um, I kind of owe a great debt to all that. As sure. far as this project's concerned. Sure. Well, Prior to that, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I kind of wanted to, maybe that's a good place to start because, you know, uh, I guess the most recent uh, interview I've done that would be kind of in the same sort of idiom as you was with Jocelyn Gould, and she kind of did the opposite in the sense that she's from here, and she, you know, yeah. went off uh, to, to, to kind of pursue music that way. And you've come here now from, you know, coming from New York is obviously a very different environment than Manitoba. What was the... What was the draw here? I mean, I, I know you said you have a you got a job here at the university in Brandon, but what was sort of the appeal of Manitoba? Did you, did you have any uh, point of reference before you came here? Man, I just looked on a map and I was, <laughs> it was like, this is north of North Dakota. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that was my first thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had, I had heard of Winnipeg because it's NHL. I, I'm not a big follower or anything, but obviously you know about these things. Sure. Um. But Brandon, I mean, even more so, right? Yeah, West yeah. of Winnipeg. So, and that's Prairie. Like, I knew about Minnesota Prairie and that kind of thing, but but not this. So uh, it was really just a matter of knowing a few people who were on faculty here already from years, years back, like graduate school days. Okay. Uh, going 20 years back, really. And 
knowing, uh, just having heard, th- uh, actually in my grad school, not just Manitoba, but there were a number of Canadians across Canada who had come to matriculate at that New England Conservatory where I was at the time. So I just knew there were a lot of like great musicians coming through. They'd study, they get the big degree, and then they go back and get a nice cushy teaching job. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With good benefits, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, first of all, you know, the job market can be tough anyway, but this seemed like a good thing. Like, and I just took a chance on a lark and, you know, the three years have been very productive, not only in the teaching realm, which is the main impetus originally, but I got to meet a a number of people through the Winnipeg scene, actually, well, Brandon and Winnipeg, um, Winnipeg, I can speak to having played a number of times with uh, Winnipeg Jazz Orchestra, um, you know, it, playing at some of the club venues here, uh, some of the, you know, the art, art gallery, some of the bigger yeah, spaces yeah. too, it, guesting at the jazz festival, etc. Brandon, there's actually great musicians in Brandon. It's just a little bit more of a homegrown thing that we keep it insular, you know. Well, it's more isolated, um, right? It's considerably more isolated. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but. Uh, these inner provinces in general, I, I mean, I, I found out early that Canadians tend to, you know, if, if they're shopping a new thing, they're able to spread their wings across the country fairly easily. Like, a lot, we hosted a lot of Toronto and Montreal-based musicians who were just passing through Brandon sure. on their way to BC, or, you know. So, um, it's I, I was initially surprised that the musicians here were not as isolated as I thought in terms of like having listened to a lot from sure. around the world. Yeah. Sure. So I got over that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, in, in coming here, I mean, you know, first of all, you're in a new place and I, I realize that you're playing a style of music that, I mean, a lot of jazz artists that I've talked to on the show, they're very, uh, I guess, adaptable to play with really whoever, because they, they just find a way to, to fit in with the different scenes in whatever city they've been to. Even people doing the same thing as you, going, you know, for education, whether it's teaching or whether it's as a student. But what was sort of your introduction to the, the, the local scene here? Did you have a, an easy time just sort of blending into what was already here, or was it? A, did you feel like an outsider? Uh, well, everyone feels like an outsider initially when sure. they have, like, no social support network, no family I mean, I, we, my wife and I, we've been kind of nomads a little bit. I mean, we do stick around in a place before we move on, but have never really called any one thing home. I mean, okay. we've always been rent- renters. <laughs> uh, but this was new in terms of, like, geography. It was it was quite, quite a bit newer. Um, so my first introduction to, were, was through, you know, faculty and students here, actually, like, high-level students. Okay. A couple of them who were recent alums ended up on the project as well. And, you know, just start more not even asking for jump change or anything, just playing gigs for free just because, I don't know, I like to play. I, I get yeah. kind of edgy if I don't play for a while, you know. You don't want to be around me if I haven't been playing in a while. Right. Well, well maybe that's a good a good segue here, though, because how have you dealt with this, this pandemic going on? You know, because you probably yeah. haven't had much opportunity to play outside of outside of the house, right? It blows, man. I mean, I finally caved like this past weekend. I finally opened up that acapella app where everyone overdubs themselves in yeah, video yeah, yeah. and does the split screen or whatever. And I just, you know, I, I resisted it for so long. Everyone else was doing it, but I just kind of like finally like played a couple like tenor sax transcriptions and accompanied myself on the piano. Okay. And, 
No, it's just like because I'm tired of not having a band around me. I'm more of a band guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm not like a solo. You know, I I want to be part of a team. So has this so, has it affected your your ability to teach as well? I imagine the school year was still on when when this kind of hit, right? Yeah. Well, luckily that semester schedule here, um, there was really only two weeks left to go when the lockdown started in March. Okay. You know. Uh, but that was a tough two weeks, you know, like they canceled all the ensemble performances. Um, there's no way to just go get around that. Um, I, I, the lessons, I just had them turn in videos for their final culminating assessment okay. and okay. courses could be run on online. That was okay. Sure. <clears throat> and I guess the other thing too, is you just released an album, uh, I guess a few weeks ago now, right? And that's right in that smacked out in the middle of a pandemic as well. Yeah, yeah. The record dropped on May 8th, and I had a whole pre-order thing going on before that. And, um, you know, I just, people that I surround myself in the industry told me, to, you know, what do you got to lose? Or or <laughs> this could be a time where reviewers are actually paying attention more. Sure, yeah, yeah. Everyone's sitting at home. So the, the recorded medium, at least in terms of uh, spiritual value, if not monetarily value, uh, might be coming back. Yeah, it, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Out of necessity, um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, mine is a double album, which is kind of messed up. But then I found <laughs> out that like some uh, there are some crazy people like me doing that. Yeah, which it's kind of made a little bit of a comeback. So, <laughs> well, and that's I mean that's even even more. Not only you're releasing a record in the middle of a pandemic, but you're putting out a very ambitious double album. Uh, like, yeah. How long was that in the works? How long did you have kind of? ahead of time working on that because that seems like just based on, on listening to it and all of the different kind of uh feels and and, and vibes throughout it you know it, it changes genre wise quite a bit as yeah. it progresses and i mean it's, it's a long track list like how much work went into that in terms of years or months or i know right i doubled down <laughs> with a double album <laughs> it's like it's such a singles driven market you know yeah yeah <laughs> and it's just like no way i'm doing it my way <laughs> but um well, actually, the recording part of the process, which is the last part, happened yeah. actually very fast. Like in a, in a couple of days, we tracked, and a couple more for overdubbing and for a double album. I think that's pretty good, especially because not all of it was just that live jazz, do it in one take, kind of like I'm a, I'm a purist. Because some of it was like some pop material, yeah. we did some overdubs, and you know, we we had a little production value. I I really enjoyed working with uh, Jordan Jackie out of T Taylor Recording in Winnipeg, and he's he just knows a lot about different kinds of music, and he kind of helped helped me navigate some of those genres that I was bending and didn't know as much about to, to make it sound a little better. Broke. 
So he set out for the city to chase a dual truth. This damn sin corrupted him and the innocence of youth.
it actually came to be because the university, uh, you know, the jazz department specifically, wanted to give me a, a, a shoe-in to be able to introduce myself to the community formally through under the auspices of, like, a concert for okay. me. Okay. Um, so that was through a, a, a little group organization called the Brandon Chamber Players. And um, so I just had in my mind, you know, I looked around me and I was like, here are the people and here's their different talents, skill sets and whatnot. And I'm just going to write a bunch of music that showcases this, that and the other thing. Um, so the different genres came through that. Plus, you had this um, theme for the concert series that was like a music at the movies kind of theme. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any plan for that whatsoever. So I was just like, oh, man. What's in the public domain? All right, a Chaplin movie. That's it. I'll I'll take a, a, a this this Chaplin short called Musical Tramps, where right. the band name comes from, and I scored something new to that to be uh, performed live to picture. And then finally, half the album you hear is mostly like um, these more abstract transitional things happening between the, the larger pieces. Yeah, yeah. And those those are like kind of messed around with group improvisations that are then like cut up overlaid with different electroacoustic uh, collage techniques and field recording techniques and that kind of thing, like a music concrete thing. Cool, cool. And that was, that was born of like a research project, which actually comes, it dates back all the way to my doctoral dissertation days. And I was kind of continuing along a study in that vein and getting members of the ensemble to collectively help me compose this group improv aesthetic using using the title long time ago rumble okay. and they that sort of they inspired them to go out and record in the field and then write journal entries and then we went in the studio and improvised and then we then i messed with it at home in post-production as well cool so that, that's like half the record right there sure sure yeah yeah <laughs> had you ever done anything that ambitious in the past i mean i know you have you know you have a lot of stuff you've recorded over the years but you know the double not only the double length but just the basically what you just described right all those different elements of of kind yeah. of piecing it together yeah um i had a band called dead cat bounce that put out four albums of my all my original compositions but i generally wrote for them were you know in that more non-democratic way where i sure. just write i write everything you know and in with traditional notation for the most part and some of those arrangements could be very intricate so on that level like that that certainly competes but this was more challenging in the sense of going in many different directions orchestrationally. Um, I don't like to say genre hopping, but if it organically went somewhere new, I, I kind of went with it. Okay. Um, and, and just, and, and dealing with the number of people that I dealt with and, and dealing with just being in a different place, you know, and just kind of like trying to learn to acclimatize in that way. And in, in a way, this is almost like my manifesto about being, a loner <laughs> or, or someone, an alien, you know, someone not of here and just dealing with that. And they have experiencing that for the first time, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not even a permanent resident, you know, this right. is just kind of what it is. So. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's interesting for sure. Did you, um, yeah. as far as the Chaplin element of it, had you previously watched that and kind of thought of it as a, as an idea or was it just, let's find a public domain video and use that? Yeah, I mean, I always start from a practical place, so the latter initially. <laughs> However, you start to look at the movie over and over again, and you know, you create your own soundtrack, and like these ideas start to pop in your head. And I was like, you know, 
this doesn't have to be as retro sounding as the graininess of the video implies. Like you can go, and, and a lot of people have done this. Like there've been like, you know, indie rock bands, sure. noise rock bands that have scored to Yola Tango. And, you know, they always did these, these kinds of score to picture ideas that were kind of novel. So I'm, I'm not really reinventing the wheel, but I, I do put my own personal Matty Steck spin on, on what I see in a picture sure. when I do it. And I have a little bit of idea about film scoring. I studied some of that in grad school, so that was cool for me to try test that out. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess maybe a relevant example would be Keith Price did that a few years ago with um, yeah. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And, That's right. Uh, and that was a complete... He hadn't even heard... He'd never seen the movie before when he started doing it. And then listen. He, I don't know if... He, I still don't know if he's listened to it with the actual original soundtrack yet. I know I yeah. asked, asked him about it a few times and then over the years and uh, I don't know, I hope he's done it by now just because I'm curious to see what, what he would think of the, the original uh, soundtrack, but yeah. Totally. Well, he's on this record. That's so right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's your connection there. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I haven't even yeah. talked to him much about that one, but, but I do love the Spaghetti Westerns. I yeah. love Morricone anyway and I'm, I'm open to anyone trying something new with that. That's cool. Did the, uh, did the Chaplin... Not to dwell on that too much, but I'm just—I find it really interesting. Did it? What, did you find it very evocative without sound? Like when you were trying to come up with uh, how, how to score it, just just the imagery of it. Yeah, I mean, I went for the one that has this like very direct line to music. You know, it's 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 a very funny little ten minute ditty about piano movers and how they mix right. up the the order. They they. They're supposed to repossess one piano and deliver another, but they, their destinations got crossed. Um, so, you know, you could think about how to how to evoke humor through music. Sure. You know, you can think about um, setting up certain hit points in the action, you know, because there's a lot of slapstick going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, very classic. And then other moments where you can just sort of let the music paint a vibe and you're not necessarily going for, for you know, the, the hit points, but... Um, I think I eventually I settled on, you know, a few different themes and those themes became springboards for transitioning to, you know, I guess tune within a tune, you know? Okay. Sure, sure. Um, but make sure that it, it was kind of being more of a painting of soundscape rather than a, uh, you know, music for its own sake. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Uh, so as, as an educator, as a music educator, and uh, is it hard? I'm trying to think how to word this. When you release something of your own work, like this album, like this double album, are, do you have any concern about what your students will think of it? I mean, because you're you know you're teaching them all year about yeah. the the nuts and bolts of how to do this. I mean, obviously it's not exactly the same as what you're doing on the record, but does that come up? Like, do you think that you're are you applying the same things you're teaching your students, or are you doing something that's kind of its own thing that's maybe outside of? Not that there's a right or wrong way to do it. I'm just kind of curious about, you yeah, know, do you yeah. follow your own rules, I guess, is the way to say that. Well, that's a tough question, man. Oh, I, I mean, I have, this is my first stint full-time at the college level. Okay. Um, and officially I was a jazz studies department assistant prof, so I didn't really, uh, I did teach jazz composition as well, so that I, I can't say it was only about jazz performance, yeah. but... But the things I teach in getting students to perform more, 
I try I try to sell myself as the, a holistic musician, a, a whole body musician, someone who doesn't think about specialization. Even though I'm there to teach saxophone, I'm, I I, I kind of I teach them to dabble in other things because I want them to feel viscerally what it's like to be the rhythm section, what it's like to sing through their instrument to, to sure. get them to actually sing and train their ear and whatnot. And through that, you you get some of the same compositional processes to arise. Um, so I'm not one of these people who wants them to stay mired in the tradition and the the historical, you know, just looking back yeah. forever. Um, everyone has their moment where they need to springboard into, you know, dabbling into their own creativity. So as long as they're embracing that process, it, it's not so much about their music has to sound like my music or vice versa. It's more about I'm a process guy. Like, okay. are they embracing the process and does it have flow to it? You okay, know? sure. And, and if they if they listen to my music with the same open-mindedness that I try to listen to them when they're coming in to show me something, then I think there's room for dialogue, you know? Sure.
probably mentioned this in the, in the Jocelyn Gould interview. I think I mentioned this every time I interview any jazz artist, but I think that a lot of people, as someone who listens to jazz, but doesn't understand the technical aspects of it. Like I've played in bands, but they were punk rock bands. My music theory is shit, <laughs> to be honest, right? But I, I know what I like and I know that I when I hear what I like, but I, I feel like a lot of people that I know who are not jazz fans, when they hear, oh, you're listening to a jazz record or, oh, you're interviewing a jazz musician or you're going to a jazz show, it's kind of there's this question mark of like, why? Why, <laughs> why are you doing this? And I think it's because, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of people's perception who are not interested in it, they have this perception of it as being an old-timey thing and as being this kind of uh, maybe more rigid thing, which is ridiculous because it's kind of like the least rigid <laughs> genre out there. But what do you think is the avenue for jazz to continue... I mean, it's, I think it'll continue regardless, but, you know, we're in the 21st century. It's a singles, like you said, it's a singles world. I think mm-hmm. jazz is often experienced best in a full, listening to a full overall piece. Like, what is the avenue for jazz to go forward in the current state of the music industry, in your opinion? Yeah. Another loaded question, right? Yes, Because um, you have many subsects within the jazz community, even, who sure. don't agree. Like, you have a lot of people who are old-timey. You have other people who... They think futuristically about jazz, but they think about it in a way that alienates the other music communities uh, because it's kind of elitist and, and okay. math math based. You know, it's very mathematical. Um, I, I think there's some intersection there with the metalheads. There is for, for sure. Yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have someone like me who's kind of like neither. Like, I love old records. I don't want to sound like the old records all the time. Um, I like it when things stimulate me intellectually, but I don't want to be, I don't want to live there. You know, okay. I, I do want it to hit my soul um, foremost. So, I mean, that can take a number of different shapes, right? So if, if people are coming from a state of a place of sincerity um, and, you know, exploration, open-mindedness, um, it, their mu- you will find their music and it will have room to grow. You know, this is what Ornette Coleman did. Sure. Um, this is what Henry Threadgill, who's, who still lives, um, has been doing okay. and re- keeps reinventing himself and reincarnating himself. These are not guys that study their instrument the way that people who go to music school nowadays study it. You know, they had always this 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 fierce iconoclastic individualistic streak to them. Sure. And I think there's a lot of uh, intersection there with, you know, the, the indie people. Um in that regard, you know, like you, you have to find who you are. So jazz has a chance if jazz will embrace that side of jazz, you know, if they're going to be a museum repertory genre forever and ever, 
or or the funders will only support that side of jazz, yeah. then I I think it's in tr- it's in trouble. If if they only fund the the stuff that makes it you know a little less accessible in the sense of not that it can't be complicated. I, there's there is room for complexity in music, but if you're gonna sort of leave people in the dust in the audience without really connecting with them in, in a way that they become equal participants in the performance. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cause I do believe in the live dynamic. Um, then I think it also is in trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I want that, that middle zone that I've been talking about yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to take root. Hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for that. We'll see what happens. Cool. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Ornette Coleman too, because that, I mean, again, as a listener, not an expert, but that's, that was sort of my entry point to listening to jazz in the first place. Cause I heard, I don't even know where I heard him, but I realized it made me think this is punk rock. This is the same thing I've been listening to just with different instruments in terms of the, the attitude and the energy. And like you said, the kind of iconoclastic uh, vibe of it. And, and, but then I've played that record, you know, I played one of his records when I have friends over who listen to heavier music and it clears the room. <laughs> so it's like, it, <laughs> I think that middle passage you're talking about, that middle ground is probably very difficult to find where it's something that can appeal to uh, yeah. people who are not already initiated or maybe not open to, to hearing something that they perceive as old timey or whatever. Right. Well, this may seem like an odd example because he's considered old timey, I guess, but Duke Ellington, who I hold on this pedestal far higher than his contemporaries of his time, okay. uh, was just a master at really being creative, but working within the mold of, of you know, those, those, uh, those different ways of intersecting with entertainment value. Okay. You know, like, like if it was a residency at the Cotton Club or something, and he knew how to create a series of pieces that would serve that residency, you know, and and be beneficial to the patrons having a good time and and experiencing really deep, profound music without even necessarily knowing it. Okay. Like, like that takes some slickness, you know? And, sure, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I... I I don't think entertainment value has to necessarily mean has to mean watered down or homogeneous. Um, you, the really creative types, the really open-minded types, who one nonetheless make a living at making music, can find different ways of being really creative and also getting audiences to enjoy themselves. And I've experienced this firsthand where I've performed in like. Milwaukee, where actually half the audience were, were like farmers who drew from two hours away, and that was the closest live music venue that they were going to see for, you know, and they didn't even know what kind of music they were getting into that right. night. But I found a way to make sure that they were enjoying themselves without pandering to them. You know, I just did my thing, but I showed it, my band. Actually, we all put laid it out, left it on the floor that night, and. This guy, this one farmer guy, would talk to me for an hour afterwards. He's just like, I don't know. It just, it just made me feel so good to be there, man. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> it, you know. I, I think um, entertainment value can be many things. You know, it, it can wear many hats. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's an interesting answer for sure. I, I, uh, I could definitely relate to the farmer guy because I, I worked for a year and a half for a newspaper in rural Manitoba, like you know, Brand- in Verdon actually, right near Brandon. It's about like mm. 40 minutes uh, west. And, um, 
yeah, I was stuck there. I didn't have my own vehicle, so I was stuck there, you know, most of, most of the time I was there. And there was mm. there a big, beautiful theater in that town. And every couple of weeks, there'd be some performer coming through. And regardless yeah. of who it was, the entire town would go. And, I mean, you have, like, you know, little kids and 80-year-olds. And yeah. I, I saw some cool stuff that way that I never would have, you know, ever thought to go see. And it's because I'm stuck here. Oh, there's a show happening. Let's go. Let's go see it. And I imagine that's probably the similar, a similar attitude to those, those people you're talking about. They just yeah. showed up because it's happening, and then it touched them in whatever way. And they maybe they went on to maybe they're huge jazz fans now, right? Yeah. Well, I played in that theater. I mean, oh, it, yeah? It, yeah. It, yeah. There was a, there's there's this trumpet big band leader guy, and he he plays there, and I subbed on one gig, and he is really great with the rapport with the audience and he's got a great sense of humor yeah and that goes a, a long way oh for you know? sure yeah yeah it, can't, it cannot be understated enough you know, or overstated <clears throat> well maybe an interesting question for you i mean i ask everyone this not everyone but it's something i've been trying to figure out is whether uh winnipeg or manitoba i mean brandon i would include in the larger manitoba has has a sound to it and as, as an outsider as someone who's kind of come in for the past few years and sort of been dropped into this weird uh, universe of ours. Like, have you noticed, is there something uniquely Winnipeg or uniquely Manitoba or uniquely Brandon, whether it's in jazz or something else? Is there, do, do we have a voice here that you can pick out? I think you do, you know, I think you've, I think there's a, a great, um, first of all, you have a great legacy, you know, uh, be it Neil Young and the guess who, and, uh, you know, other people who've, pass through and yeah. it, you know I, I didn't I can't say the more contemporary versions of that I've been able to get out to, to hear as much live music as I would like but I've taught a number of students who are doing their own thing they may study a little jazz but that that's not the music that they're making sure necessarily um, and uh, and even if it is jazz I, I think there is kind of a, a prairie sound to it in fact I was trying to for a while a, a project that never got off the ground we, we we tried something that we were going to call Prairie Groove. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, um, but it's also, I think maybe like a smaller version of, of a melting pot, kind of like New York has always called itself, you know, in, in that, well, first of all, uh, there are a couple of American transplants that live up here. There's that, a few, yeah, um, yeah. They helped, they helped me actually get acclimated and, and get over my loneliness, you oh, know, cool. like, okay. Jeff Presloff, the pianist, who is originally from my neck of the woods, and yeah. I actually—he's friends with my father. I, I I saw him when I was ten years old. Oh wow! You know, I, so he and our families go way back, and and he moved here many years ago. But yeah, I've had him on here a couple times actually. Yeah, so he's kind of like my godfather up here, man. Like he, I've been, I've stayed at his house a bunch of times with big gigs. Cool. And we'll just talk through the night, and he's been kind of just really helpful in, you know, talking about how he found his way into the scene here, you know? Sure. Um, Eric Platz is another American who teaches the faculty here. And, um, but also like the Canadians I've met, especially specifically the Manitobans. Um, I don't know, like the WJO scene, they were, their concert season always has like a different theme over every concert. Yeah. They bring in special guests who are usually local guests. They like to uh, have high school jazz bands open up at every concert. I think that's great for the community. You, you know, mid-sized, smaller cities tend to be good at that kind of thing more. Um, okay. You know, so there's probably, I heard you, you and Jocelyn talking where she said that, you know, sincerity was a, a big yeah. factor. Yeah. It in, seems like it is anyway. Design. You know, and I think community 
and not only t- thinking about yourself is, is a big part of that sincerity piece. So, okay. um, I don't know what, I don't know like sonically what that means, you know, cause there, there's a lot of kind of music here, There is, but, yeah, yeah. but it's, but again, it's a process, right? It's, it's an approach to how music is made. Right. And then maybe that comes through in some kind of subconscious way in what people are yeah. doing.
you mentioned at the outset that you um you're wrapping up your time here. So what's what's next on your what's your next plan? Well, I got COVIDed, <laughs> right? You know, budget cuts and what you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, without getting too political or whatever, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna like regroup, take the year to regroup, and I'll continue to push this record. Um, I'll continue pursuing like the the online concerts avenue. I'm gonna have a couple coming up soon. Cool. One will be through Rovadope Records live stream, and then another one's gonna be through the CCFM in town, Marty Jazz. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. So I'll be I'll be filming for them soon, and then when I'm back home, um, you know, slowly I'm going to try to get reacclimated to the different scenes around the Northeast. I live about equidistant between New York, Boston, Toronto, and Montreal. Okay, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of places to play shows in all those cities, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, if there ever is live music again, then <laughs> right, right, those, yeah, those are the doors I'll be knocking first, yeah. and then we'll see from there. You know, are you hopeful about the live music, the return of live music? Oh. I don't know. Like I've always, I've, I've, I've been recently trying to resist my pessimistic streak because I've always kind of felt really bad ever since kind of the internet kind of hollowed out the music industry the first time yeah, yeah. With, with piracy and, and now the streaming model is just kind of not conducive to making a living. So recordings aren't conducive to that. Yeah. And if you don't have recordings to depend on and now you don't have touring to depend on, you know, it, it follows WTF. What are we going to do? Sure, you know, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe we hit our heyday where like for one or two generations, like, you know, music as a vocation was a possibility, but before and after that, it was always kind of like something you did after you were out in the fields being a shepherd. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you played in the pub at night, you know, and maybe that's fine. Maybe that, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to see the half, glass have full aspect to that um but yeah i mean the virus won't be around forever uh hopefully in the health profession we can adapt and if that's the case then maybe people won't be scared and they'll go out to experience live music again because i think if they're being honest with themselves although we do have an education problem and not so much in canada but in the states that there's they've just dumbed down the arts for way too long yeah that um it's hard. We're not necessarily graduating young people who are listening to a wide variety of music. They tend to just, you know, you know, gladly take what's spoon fed to them from the from the the corporations. Sure. Um, but but those who do who are curious enough to dig, to dig deeper, I think those people will be craving the live experience eventually. You know, usually those are the same people that have like dabbled with a bass guitar on their own anyway sure yeah, yeah yeah for sure. they know tactically how it feels to play an instrument and so they know the satisfaction it gets yeah from, yeah from being yeah. able to experience it live again you know um so I'm, I'm hopeful just you know it doesn't have to be like the largest uh cross section of life necessarily just as long as you have like these niches that again are sincere and really devoted um then the music will survive yeah you know well, yeah, and people are always going to want to hear music. I mean, regardless of, you know, how it's commercially sold, people are going to want to hear a record, whether it's something they just press a button on their computer or actually put a record on the turntable. There's going to be a desire for it. It's just, the, I guess, the, the form it takes, right, is going to be always be ever-shifting and getting weirder yeah. <laughs> as time progresses, yeah. But they should want to pay for the record. They should, I mean, they should. And, that, and this is my moment to, to plug the, my album where yes. I'll say, you know, you, you – you can stream it. Yes, you can do that. But if even better, go to Bandcamp. That they're great because yep. they can give you physical. They can give you digital download. 
you know, it, it's and and then they offered like today they offered. Oh no, this is all about jazz. They offered my single for free. But on the next Bandcamp day, they'll be like giving a hundred percent of the proceeds just to the artists. Artists. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But, so it, it's just a good way, and they're also donating to different causes. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, we need organizations like that. So, um, anyway. That was my little shameless No, no, that's plug. good. That, I was actually about to get yeah. into how can people find your record, so that's perfect. I mean, I guess Bandcamp mm. is your preferred choice, right? Because people can actually buy a physical copy or pay full price for the for the album. I, I think so. Um, I think that's really probably the best way to go right now. The last record I released, I was definitely hitting up mom-and-pop stores and, you know, almost selling them on consignment still. Yeah. Like, just the ones that I like the most, just because I like to be able to see it. But those brick and mortar store like you know <laughs> i don't do you know of any i don't even there's know. a few I mean, but yeah they're 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 few yeah. and far between now which, which sucks because i mean uh, as someone who doesn't listen to uh streaming music i i still stick with tapes and records and cds and all my physical stuff is still there like yeah it sucks that there's not a lot of record stores right now because you know i rarely i rarely buy things online too so it's like especially now when everything's closed my opportunity to go out and just buy an album whether it's from a local artist or, or otherwise is, is is difficult so it's yeah i mean uh hopefully there will be more that open up once things get better once the virus eventually goes away maybe we'll have a renaissance i don't know but i agree yeah. i wish i could have done it on vinyl it's it's kind of expensive to do yeah that. yeah yeah um but you know i would have gladly put the record in other music or something into the music sorry that's yeah yeah, yeah store there yeah um you know one day one day we'll do the vinyl way that one day uh, is it available um like can people buy in brandon buy it from you or is it in any stores out there or Oh yeah, sure. I have a few copies. I've been sending a lot of those out for promo purposes, but I, I could I could sell them directly if if you need to do that. I mean, I I do have a stash for when I was going to be playing live to of just course. play live to sell at the shows, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but either through me or the label or through Bandcamp is okay. the way to, to get a physical copy. Yeah. And then you have a website as well where all your information is right about upcoming shows or your previous records. MattyStex.com, and yes, thank you for mentioning because I'd be grateful. I think through that it links to like all the SoundCloud things. I both officially and unofficially released stuff over the years. You know, I just have a lot of musical interests, and I think it'd be great just to be able to get an idea, an overview of like what makes me musically tick. Because sure. I'm not really a spring chicken, I guess, but you know, I, I, I've I've had a few reincarnations over the years. Um, so interesting for people want to dig deeper to, to see where I came from before yeah. this, this new thing happened. And find yeah. out which version you like the best, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, right. There's probably something in it for everyone. Right on. Cool. Well, yeah, I appreciate you uh, you talking to me. This is a fun conversation. And like uh, like I said, I mean, people should check out Bandcamp. I, I, even as someone who doesn't usually stream things, that's where I've been going. You know, if I'm ever going to buy something online, it's, it's usually through Bandcamp just because, as you said, it, it the more money goes to the artist or on some days all the money goes to the artist so it's a good way to support yeah yeah i mean cd baby was another one but i heard recently that i thought they were just they're they're only dealing with like distribution now or yeah something. i think i read that yeah 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 so so bank yeah, yeah. camp or bust right on <laughs> right on well yeah people should check out the record it's very cool um i haven't heard a double album in a while uh locally anyway and uh as we were saying before it covers kind of a, quite a bit of ground as far as genres and moods and styles and things so i think that there there is a lot of appeal to people who you know maybe are hesitant about jazz or have a preconceived notion about what jazz is so hopefully you can get uh you know before you leave manitoba get some more people in this province to check out what you're doing 
Well, uh, thank you for, yeah, I mean, having you, uh, having you have me on the show certainly helps. Um, Winnipeg Free Press was very kind to it. You know, Keith Black gave it four and a half stars. So right I'm very optimistic that it can be well-received, even in a place where I'm not from. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes that's the way it is, and your hometown heroes, you, folks back home don't even love you as much. But, um, you know, it's almost like, like mini stardom, yeah. even though you're not. But just by token of being somewhere else, you know, it's like, ooh, he he lived in New York. You know? Yeah, yeah. He lived in Brandon. He was he was big in Brandon. Yeah, yeah. where's yeah, Brandon? Yeah. It doesn't matter. He was big there. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right on. Right. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, good luck with the rest of the uh, you know getting past the pandemic and and moving on with uh, your career. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Mm-hmm.